Drive with Goodman and Fry, presented by Silter Har Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silter Har Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Terry. MyLifeSports.com. You can reach us. Rocky Mountain Forest Products Twitter feed at T Fry at Eric Goodman. If you're looking for wholesale lumber to the public, go to RMFP.com. It is official. The Broncos have new owners, and that is the lead. The lead presented by Sasquatch Casino in Blackhawk. Not surprisingly, Terry, it was made official today. A unanimous vote by the owners, Walton Penner Group. New owners of the Denver Broncos press conference today featuring Rob Walton, Kerry Penner, and Greg Penner. This is how the press conference started when Commissioner Roger Goodell introduced Rob Walton. I'd like to thank Roger uh, Goodell, uh, Commissioner Goodell. How do you like that? That's right up there with John Elway saying Bronco land, (laughs) although John Elway has now been replaced at the top of the list. I imagine he will be be briefed quickly yes but at the end of the day you don't want to mispronounce the commissioner's name but the truth is um rob walton's the boss and roger goodell works for him so if you're going to mispronounce somebody's name (laughs) it's better to for lack of a better phrase mispronounce somebody who for lack of a better phrase works under you than your boss you know it'll be unfortunate if that goes down as the defining bite i hope very quickly it is forgotten it'll never be forgotten ever I once covered a news conference where a coach was introduced as the new head coach of the Portland Trailblazers and felt, went to sit down and missed the chair, Mike Schuler, And it, all the time he coached to Portland, it was never forgotten. Well, think about this for a second. And this is not a knock on Rob Walton, although you can make the case. I know what you're going to say, I think. What am I going to say? He's so wealthy, he doesn't need to pronounce people's names correctly. No. How much does he truly know about football if he doesn't know how to pronounce the commissioner's name. That's not necessarily a bad thing. Yes, it is. I know. I don't think so. If you're an NFL fan, you know how to pronounce Roger Goodell's name. Period. But you if don't? you're but if you're a new owner and you decide you're going to hire people or keep people who know what they're doing, and you don't, it doesn't matter if you know how to say the commissioner's name. I think that's okay. If you are a football fan, yes, you know how to pronounce the commissioner's name. So the knock on Woodson, excuse me, Woodson, the knock on Walton doesn't matter. I don't work for the Broncos. The, the knock, honestly, on Walton would be, is this guy even a fan? Because what was the knock on Stan Kroenke for all of those years? Does he even really like hockey? Right? But he, he, he semi-inherited them as a package with the Nuggets and the Pepsi. No, I understand that. But you would think that after all the talks that have gone back and forth, listen, I'm not knocking the guy. It is what it is. But that could be a narrative, and it would yeah. be an inaccurate narrative. It will be one that will be drawn from the annals as something ever comes up where you wonder if he does know enough football to be a viable owner. And I have a feeling that it's going to be Greg Penner and his wife, Carrie Penner. They will be the ones running the team day to day. I think that will become very apparent very quickly. You know, the test is coming up as soon as tomorrow with some talk going around about there being a news conference tomorrow with all the owners there, except for Sir Sir Lewis Hamilton. With that, the press conference lasted about 10 minutes. All three of the new owners, 
Rob Walton, Kerry Penner, Greg Penner, all of them spoke. But I want to give a big shout out and a lot of credit to the Broncos video department. They put together a two-minute professionally done promotional video of the new owners. It was it certainly wasn't scripted, but they took all the best bites. They combined it with video. It looks super sharp. And as opposed to giving separate bites from the news conference today, I think this two-minute video right here sums it up beautifully. Well, for our family, Denver Broncos is the one franchise that we would choose to own if we had everything to choose from. Broncos have a terrific history of championships, great leadership, Super Bowl wins. We just couldn't be happier to be joining such a terrific organization. The goal for the ownership group is to win games, of course, win a Super Bowl. But we want this team to play its proper role in the community, too making the Broncos the place for fans to be proud of, for folks that work here to be proud of, and for players to want to be a part of. Bringing this group of people together, diverse experience, fantastic leadership across a lot of different industries. We have Melody Hobson, who is an amazing leader and businesswoman. Condoleezza Rice, who has just been an incredible civic leader, both internationally and nationally. And then we have Sir Lewis Hamilton, who is an excellent athlete, but also a great leader. It's an incredible legacy that we're inheriting through the Denver Broncos, and we look forward to continuing that in the community to do this with my dad and Greg and myself. Our primary goal is to go out and win, but we also want to make sure that we do everything we can to make sure the Denver Broncos are the best team to play for, to cheer for, and to work for. It's huge. I mean, we wouldn't have done this if we didn't want to compete and we weren't ready to put the resources behind this to win. And that's, that's what we're focused on. We want to run a quality franchise. We want a successful business here. We want the right culture. And at the end of the day, though, we want to win championships. It was only two minutes, but it was a brilliant summation of the right. ideals of an ownership group. I mean, win, win. And I thought a Kerry Penner's statement about the Denver Broncos are the best team to play for, cheer for, and work for. It's just a, you can't say it any better than that. Yeah. I mean, again, we could have cut up clips from today's press conference, but the Broncos video production department put it all together in a nice, tight, two-minute piece that summed it up perfectly on what they want out of the organization, what they expect out of the organization, and what their vision is for the organization. And they even included brief clips of Condoleezza Rice and Sir Lewis Hamilton, which right. which touched some other bases. And they did a terrific job there of summarizing those ideals. And again, uh, I thought the, the most interesting thing is that was probably put together yesterday when they were here on Monday. And the idea that we, we didn't see them. They kept them out of sight. Right. Yeah, you said they were practiced yesterday. They were they were at the facility. Yesterday. Oh, okay. They were I don't inside. think they were at practice. Yeah, I think if they would have walked outside, somebody would have recognized them. Somebody. Yes. Oh, no question. I can't imagine they. Were somebody would have had had some video of it on Twitter or anywhere else, Instagram, anywhere else. That would have been out there. Yeah, and it, it wouldn't honestly have been appropriate for them to have been on the field yesterday, even though this was going to be their team all the attention would have been focused on them yes. and they are not the official owners yet with now, that. Now, if you saw the video that went with that audio, mm -hmm. 
they showed John Elway's helicopter run, which I thought was like a brilliant inclusion. And I, I only wish maybe they could have gone back and included the whole the vertically striped socks. Well, you, you might want to talk to them about that. They only had two minutes to work yes, with. In all my days in television, you only have so much time when it comes to putting together video production. Or you have only so much space in your stories in the newspaper. There and you now go. Now you can write as long as you want. So if you had to give them advice on how to tackle being the new owners, would you say sit back, wait, relax? Yes. Would you say, you know, make, make some announcements now? Maybe we're working on Russell Wilson's contract. We're definitely looking at a new stadium. How would you approach it if you're them? I would indeed sit back, wait, and observe through the 2022 season and then start placing their imprint more decisively on the franchise. I, I think you can do things too quickly and, and regret it later. And in this case, they have a, they, 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 you'd hate this, but they've been handed the torch. Why and, would I hate this? Oh, because you don't like, you, we talked about that earlier, you don't like the phrase, passing the torch. I don't have a problem with it. Okay. But, but, but they're, they're passing a torch, I suppose. But, because... but they've taken over from, a, from an ownership, the Bolin ownership, that's been uh, the trust the last few years and has been unable to be as decisive as perhaps as possible. I would disagree with that. Can I tell you why? Because when people say they have not been decisive, when people say they have not been good as a trust, this has to do with wins and losses. Yeah. We don't know what they've done business-wise. Hey, listen, during the trust, did they get a new uh, sponsorship for the stadium? Yes. Mm -hmm. Now, it took a while. I'm with you on that. Have they gone through too many coaches? Yes. Too many quarterbacks? Yes. Do I think that Pat Bolin may have made some decisions that the trust waited on too long? Maybe, maybe that is the case. But I also thought that perhaps the big, the biggest strength of the trust was continuing to act as if they were the owners in the sense of hiring George Payton. Instead of saying, not saying, sitting back, well, let's just get a caretaker. Let's get a transition. Well, but they guy. couldn't have done that. Yes, they could have. Mm, yes. So who would they have hired? I, I'm not, I don't have any specific names in front of me. I'm, I'm just saying instead of aggressively saying, say, hiring George Payton and making it clear he was he his actions would be fully backed and it would be probably very uh, very have a lot of impact with the incoming ownership group whoever it is and the other thing to keep in mind here is it came out in a, in discussions today they've been interested in this franchise for as long as ten years you know that that had to have gotten around the loop of the inside the NFL including to George Payton or anybody else involved in this but it doesn't mean they were going to be the highest bidder. You would think that they would be. Oh, the the richest the who the guy who would be the richest owner in the NFL instantly would be couldn't be the highest bidder. Wouldn't be the highest bidder. Well, he would have the resources to do it, but it doesn't mean that he or she would do it. He's the wealthiest owner by far in the NFL. Perhaps with the Paul Allen trust, but Paul Allen's sister is giving away all that money, so that that total goes down every day. Just because you have a lot of money doesn't mean you're willing to spend it. Now, I believe Greg Penner has ties yeah. to Colorado anyway. They live I think it's a terrific ownership group. I think they're off to a great start. Uh, Pat Bolin will not only be greatly missed as a person, but as the type of owner that he was. Uh, Joe Ellis is going to hang around in an advisory role um, <laughs> with, with, with the team. I think that he did the best that he could. He certainly made mistakes. We can go through them, but I don't think it's necessary. I think it's time to turn the page and they did the best that they could. Let's face it, the uh, the ownership mess 
with uh, both sides of the Bolin family uh, were not pleasant. Things coming out uh, in the newspapers with Joe saying that Beth isn't qualified. I'll never forget that day when that quote came out. Things could have been handled differently. But at the end of the day, that stuff is in the rearview mirror. I think people should look forward. They have a wealthy owner, an owner that seems to really want to do great things. He understands the history of this organization. He understands what Pat Bolin has done, making it a family type of atmosphere. I think it is also set up. So the, the day that Rob Walton isn't here, the Penners will, in theory, be the controlling owners, if that's what you want to call it. But I'm guessing they have a line of succession as opposed to what happens when Pat Bolin passes away. They can't have that happen again. I don't, well, I don't think it will. This and I is, don't think it will. Th- this is a, here's the difference. And I say this with all due respect to Beth and Brittany. All due respect to them. Greg Penner is easily next in line. And there's absolutely no doubt who will take over once Rob Walton is no longer around. That is unquestioned. With Pat Bolin, it was absolutely questioned. You already have somebody mm-hmm. who is next. Yes. For sure. And we will see what is happening next after that. And you know what happens next after that? You and I won't be around not only doing radio, we'll be, well, you'll be in the ground, I'll be in ashes. Someplace. Well, I think the the, the, uh, the next could be Kerry Penner and Greg Penner operating it jointly. Well, they would be. That's my point. There's a line of succession with the two of them. But but what with Kerry Penner also being an activist? And, uh, That's fine. They have I, a, I thought that was, she was very eloquent in that right. video. My point is they have a line of succession. They didn't really with Penner. No. They have two people they can choose from. For Pat Bowlin, you can make the case, at least the way the trust said it. They really had one, but kind of not really because Beth wanted it. There's no questioning who will take over next. And you have two people to choose from instead of one, maybe two, but you're not sure because there's a family rift. And they said when they said when the official announcement was made that the franchise was on the market, they jumped back in. But I'd like to know, I hope some enterprising reporter out there is able to research, document, and, and find what was going on the last 10 years after the after the Waltons expressed their initial interest in this franchise. Well, did they express it publicly? No. Well, no. Oh, oh, no. So, so they're, they're, sit, no, they're, they're, saying, they're sitting around in their condo in Aspen saying, gee, it'd be fun. No, I think it was more than that. It was okay. it was an inquiry about when it might be available, if it was available at that time, and they at least talked it through. And I think that was probably influential in some of the decisions that were made. I think the greatest line to come out of today came from Stan Kroenke. On the family rivalry, he did some interviews today and he was asked about the family rivalry between the Walton Cronkey family. And he said, quote, we will play each other on Christmas day, right? That'll make for a good holiday. That'll be fun. I think we'll both look forward to it, which I think that they will. I think the Broncos will be on TV locally too. Well, being on Christmas. Yes. Period. Yeah. They're always, they're always on. I know. Yeah. Well, uh, how about those nuggets and avalanche games? I don't know. Well, on Christmas, that's going to be a national game anyway. But what about the Nuggets and Avalanche games on Comcast? I don't think anybody at the Footsput nor is it the place to ask that question. Not not when you have a new ownership group coming in mm-hmm. in the NFL. He's, there's an NFL owner with Josh. You don't ask that question. Would you have asked that question? I sure would have thought about it. No, no. Would you have I, asked I'm, I don't know. I, I'm going to say no. I can tell it you I would not. It depends on the circumstances. I would, and, and I'm known for asking tough questions. I believe you are too. I would, to me, that's the wrong time and place for it. Perhaps you preface the question was, as, perhaps this is not the correct time to raise this, but I'm going to ask it anyway. No. It, yes, it, that's what I would have done. I would. I would. I would, I would have thought about doing. It. I, I'm not going to sit here and say being all omniscient. 
And I know I would have asked that question. I don't know. I never, I would have thought it, but I, in a million years, I never would have asked it. Not in that environment. Never, never, never would have. But asked. see, it's also the one place where you're able to talk to Stan Kroenke. He's the owner of, he's the owner of KSC and multiple franchises in this market. Where else are you going to get him? I'm just if saying, he's there, you're not going to get him anywhere yeah, else. Yeah. It's not out of bounds to ask the question. Coming up after the break, day 12 of training camp is in the books. Who missed practice? More than a few guys. Also, they did some, I don't want to say different things, but they did one different thing today. They did something just for the second time at practice, and was Russell Wilson on the run today because his offensive line couldn't hold up. That's next. Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Fry, presented by Silterhar Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silterhar Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Terry. Welcome back. Afternoon Drive, Goodman Fry. Watch us, mileisports.com. You can't reach us. Rocky Mountain Forest Products Twitter feed at T Fry at Eric Goodman. If you're looking for wholesale lumber to the public, go to rmfp.com. In the meantime, you need to head up to Sasquatch from Wildcard Casino in Blackhawk. Right now, they're giving away another Tesla. They did this promotion before. It was so successful, they decided they wanted to do it again. If you don't want the Tesla, no problem. They'll give you over $33,000 in cash instead. Grand prize drawings are the weekend of October 7th. Head on up there to possibly win a Tesla. Check out their daily cash drawings, really loose slots. They have a sports book as well. Great menu. Sasquatch and Wildcard Casinos, a family-owned set of casinos that treat you like family. Time now for The Buzz. The Buzz is presented by Eric Cook at Farmers Insurance. The Cook Insurance Group, focused on people, not policies. Call today at 303-790-8089. That's 303-790-8089. Day 12 of training camp in the books. Walk through tomorrow. Cowboys in town for one practice on Thursday before the preseason opener on Saturday at Empower Field. A couple of injury updates for you. If you remember yesterday, Cortland Sutton and Ronald Darby were involved in a final play together. Sutton made a terrific catch diving over Ronald Darby. Both guys got a little dinged up. Sutton is battling a, a shoulder injury. It's not... Uh, appearing to be serious. Ronald Darby bruised chest, and uh, K.J. Hamler sat out of practice today. Also, the Broncos, for the first time today, did seven-on-sevens. They did one-on-ones for the second time during training camp, and the highlight was watching Jerry Judy go up against Pat Sertan. Both guys did well against each other. Offensive line, at least from my vantage point, seemed to struggle a little bit against the defense. Wilson seemed to be on the move way too much. Let's talk about Judy a little bit because I know how you feel about Tim Patrick. I do feel it's a loss for sure, not having Tim Patrick. Uh, Really good glue guy, locker room leader, well-respected. You saw how guys just flocked to him when he got injured. Terrific on third downs and a terrific blocker as well. And get the ball to him, he holds on to it. Correct. Terrific set of hands. With that, I think a lot of people were expecting Judy to step up with or without Tim Patrick. How do you think he is doing so far? I think he's looked good, but you have to get rid of the easy categorization of him as a guy who's a great route runner. He's got to be more than that. He's got to be more than that. 
Uh, he, he has to make plays. He has to develop chemistry with Wilson. He has to step up. And in the absence of Patrick, he, who, who never dropped the ball, he has to hold on to the ball better. I mean, his drop rate was 17.6% last year. Well, I think five yeah. came in one game. Yeah, and one, and that has something to do with the quarterback's placement. And but five, but five came in yeah. one game, and that's. Significant. But he was still the the worst among the, the guys who had more than one hundred targets in the league. But five came in one yes. game, so they I, count. They count. I understand. It, it counts. You don't get to like. You don't get to like throw out one game. It's not like. I, it's uh, not like gymnastics, figure skating, where you throw out the worst score. No, I I understand that. But when you look at the body of his work over the games that he played. He, w- he didn't have, like, a ton of drops in nine of those games because he didn't. I don't think that's a fair assessment. What I will agree with you on is there are times I question his focus, mm-hmm. whether it's catching the ball and trying to look upfield, or- whether it's finishing out his routes. Uh, there was a route today where Russell Wilson overthrew the ball to him, and he, it's as if he gave up on the route, and I think Ojemudie picked it off. Uh, but then he also had another beautiful catch. So my concern, what makes a great player a great player isn't necessarily great overall talent to me. What makes a great player a great player is he plays at a high level every single game. Consistency. So I wonder, are we going to see games where he has nine catches for 135 yards and then his next game is four catches for 35 yards. That's not consistency, no. Right, and that's what concerns me about him. He also has to show, there have been times where you kind of watch him in practice, and it's like, does he really want to be out there today? Right, and again, that that goes to my point. You're piggybacking on exactly what I'm saying. If the Broncos are going to be successful this upcoming season offensively, especially without Patrick, he will have to play a major role. They have a better chance of succeeding on offense with Judy in the lineup than with Patrick in the lineup because he's a big play threat Mm -hmm. and he does get separation and he is open all the time. Patrick is great uh, with hands and I'm with you on that. And he's a great target on third down. I'm with you on that. He's a good leader in the locker room and in the wide receiver room, but you have to look at your most talented players Mm -hmm. and I'm sorry, Patrick is not the most talented wide receiver on this on this roster from the neck up, you could make the case. He's the best guy. In but the that combination roster. of it all makes him an effective receiver and a guy. I'll be missed. He will be missed. He will be missed. But again, if I had my choice between rolling the dice with Judy being consistent and having Tim Patrick, I'll go with the upside. I will go with the upside because he's only going into his third year, but he has to prove that he can be more consistent. He is a dynamic talent. He's a dynamic talent. But to your point, I question, is his head in the game every single play? I wonder if he feels... Well, let let me rephrase this because I don't want (laughs) to... Let me rephrase this. I question if he is asked to block a lot, is he going to block more like Randy Moss (laughs) or is he going to block more like Rod Smith? Or Ed McCaffrey. The, the, right. Together they were terrific. Or a Tim Patrick. Or a lot of guys. who are, Demarius Thomas was a fantastic blocker. Mm-hmm. Okay? I don't know if Jerry Judy has that in him. The myth is that the wide receivers blocking have to knock people down. No, that's not what they do. They get in the way. Right. They, they're adept 
adept enough and astute enough to be able to know where to be and how to get in a guy's way and cut him off. It's funny, when you look at basketball players, the best basketball players are the guys who can do two things really well, right? If one part of somebody's, if one part of this guy's game is off, can he beat you another way? If his outside shooting is down, is right, off that. Right, right. Is he great at setting screens? Mm -hmm. Is he great at rebounding? Is he great at ball handling? Jerry Judy, we know, is a dynamically talented wide receiver. But what else does he bring to the table? Is he a willing, more than willing blocker? Because they're going to run the ball a lot. They're going to run the ball a lot. And my concern is, yeah, he'll, he'll, he'll catch a pass for 35 yards, mm -hmm. okay? Which everyone will be like, wow, that's great. Look at this guy. But then it's third and five, and he misses a block because he didn't give the effort, and Javante Williams picks up four yards and they have to punt. Whereas if he would have blocked, it would have been a first down. Uh -huh. so, how do, so how do you really evaluate that? One play's great, one play isn't that great. Do they essentially equal out? Because you can make the case they might. The coaching staff has to make that decision, particularly when you're looking at one player specifically. That's where you can find it on find it on a video and make that declaration. Um, Hamler has sat out practice today. I uh, think they're trying to be careful with other days. Game. He's been, he's been out there, but it hasn't been involved in team drills. How concerned should, no, he's, especially been out there. he's been out there in team drills. No, some days he has not. Oh, some days. Yeah. So like how, today. how concerned with Patrick out and, and he needs to step up too. How concerned are you about that injury? Well, I'll feel a lot better if Judy becomes a really consistent wide receiver because him and Sutton I feel good about. I mean, think about this for a second. But what about Hamler? I don't know. We haven't seen, honestly, enough of him. In his rookie year, he did drop the ball a lot, but he's had a history of injuries. This, to me, sums up the difference between Jerry Judy and Cortland Sutton. And I love me some Cortland Sutton. But when he has gone head-to-head -head against Pat Sertan, I think you can make the case Sertan has gotten the better of Sutton. Mm -hmm. I think you can make that case. When we saw one-on-ones today, and yes, I know that Judy and Sertan know each other from the days at Alabama. Sertan is an immensely talented cornerback. Mm -hmm. Judy is an immensely talented wide receiver. Sertan looks like he plays hard every single play. He looks like a veteran who gets it. Judy looks like a guy who is really, really talented who needs to find consistency. But there were times during those one-on-ones where Judy made Sertan look like a rookie, mm -hmm. but vice versa as well. Sutton doesn't make Sertan look bad. You don't get any help in one-on-ones. Right. Coming up after the break, huge news out of golf again. And the PGA Tour, I don't know if they're nervous, but maybe they should be. That's next. Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Fry, presented by Silter Har Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silter Har Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Terry. Welcome back. Afternoon Drive, Goodman Fry. Watch us, mileisports.com. You can reach us. Rocky Mountain Forest Products Twitter feed at tfry at Eric Goodman. If you're looking for wholesale lumber to the public, go to RMFP. Com. Time now for What's Trending. 
What's Trending is brought to you by Pinnacle Builders, the best in home remodeling. Go to PinnacleDen.com. Well, it was rumored right after Open champion Cameron Smith won the Open, and now it has become a reality. He is signed with the Live Tour for $100 million. He gets the $100 million free and clear, and then he gets to make a ton more money while playing on the Live Tour. Uh, not necessarily on a side note, but this just happened moments ago. A judge has denied a temporary restraining order that would allow three golfers from being able to play in the FedEx playoffs. So you could make the case, certainly, the PGA has beaten the Live Tour when it comes to players crossing over because that's a PGA rule. With that, now on the Live Tour, you have three guys, four guys in their prime. Dustin Johnson, uh, Bryson DeChambeau, Brooks Kepka, and now Cameron Smith, all on the Live Tour. How concerned should the, should the PGA Tour be? Oh, absolutely, especially if it if it becomes more than an exhibition than exhibition golf. That's when they really have to worry. What I think they need to worry about more so than anything is is losing guys like Cameron Smith, guys who are just entering or in mm-hmm. their prime. Yeah. You lose you, you lose a Lee Westwood. That's fine. You lose a guy who is older. That's just fine. But if you're losing guys who are near the top of their game, have won majors, then you're really pulling away from the PGA Tour. I mean, who are the best golfers on the PGA Tour right now? Scotty Scheffler, mm-hmm. number one player in the world. You still have um, Rory McIlroy playing on the tour. Tiger Woods is not in his prime and is nowhere near the top of his game, but he did not defect. But it's losing guys in their prime that should have them worried. And what's unfortunate about this is, and it was a different time back then, mm-hmm. and, and this is an era that I don't want to necessarily say that you covered, but you certainly remember like I do, unlike I do. I'm guessing there was a time during the ABA people thought, gee, I wonder how well Julie Serving would do in the NBA. And I wonder how well George Gervin would do David in Thompson. the NBA. David Thompson. And now what we are seeing is we are seeing not a split because the best golfers right now are still on the PGA Tour. But what if that becomes balanced out? And those live players are not able to play in majors. It's not that it necessarily gets watered down, but you, the best part about the majors is the best players in the world always play in the majors, and you're not going to have the best players in the world. What if it becomes a poison pill for the PGA, and they have to, if they have to find out if it's possible to actually get along with the live tour and, and have them both alive, have them both operating with the same player pool? Well, I don't know if they'll be able to do that because one's paying a lot more than the other one. Yes. And the PGA Tour, they've already raised their purse, but they have no interest in raising it. To their purse the level is less than what the what Liv offered Tiger Woods. Well, look what Tiger Woods was offered. Yes. I mean, he was offered, what, $800 million? Yeah, and the, the PGA's much-touted raise in purse money for next year still is lower than what they offered Tiger Woods. I'll tell you what's disappointing is, uh, to me. As a big fan of the Ryder Cup, I love the Ryder Cup. I could care less. I could, I could, well, that's care okay. Less. I could not care less. Okay. I want to get that right. Well, to me, I love it because I love the U.S. against Europe. P- President's Cup, the U.S. against everybody outside of Europe. That's gone. Mm-hmm. I don't, and the funny thing is, generally speaking, if you continue the Ryder Cup, 
if I'm not mistaken, I don't know any European players that have gone to the Live Tour. So Europe is going to be able to have a, a stacked team. And listen, Sergio, Sergio Garcia isn't what he used to be. No. He's on the Live Tour. So while it was close enough and hard enough for the Americans to win, now they're missing. Now they're missing DeChambeau and Kepka and Johnson, who mm-hmm. played on the team that just won. And that thing is just not, it's not to say the Americans can't win, but they're not fielding their best team. And that's going to kind of have to go by the wayside. It's just not going to be the same. It's going to be kind of like, and I say this with all due respect to the guys on the PGA Tour, it's going to kind of be like, to a small extent, in the Olympics, mm-hmm. when you had professional teams playing against college basketball players. Mm-hmm. It's just going to be lopsided. Well, like, They'll compete. They'll compete. But I think it'll be more lopsided. You mean when we were sending college teams? Well, I'm not talking about in 1984. I'm talking about, you know, in 1988 when mm-hmm. the U.S. team. South Korea. W- 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 was John Thompson good. was coaching a U- Correct. NCAA team, basically. And in the world championships, the U.S. team wasn't very good. And then in 1992, they said, well, our pros will play and let's see how it goes, Angola. <laughs> right? And then the pro players started playing. I covered the uh, Tournament of the Americas, which was the qualifying tournament for the night for the 1992 Olympics the dream with the dream team and that was really ugly when you knew it would be yeah you, you absolutely knew it would be but it was one of those deals where at that time even in Barcelona where the dream when I was covering the dream team there the other teams still were pausing to get the dream team's autographs right. during warm-ups but think about the offshoot of that so that was in 19- so the internationalization of the talent pool that's right really so 30 very prevalent what is it 30 years later 30 years later, I can't tell you definitively that Nikola Jokic would be a basketball player or Giannis mm-hmm. or Dirk Nowitzki. I don't know if Joel Embiid would have decided to play basketball. Maybe they would have. They probably would have. I'm not sure. But if you put the top non-American players on the floor against the American players, mm-hmm. uh, I like the I like the non-Americans' chances with Embiid, Jokic, Jokic Giannis, and uh, Luka Doncic against anybody the Americans can put on. Well, it was kind of starting in 92, even with the dream team, with the team from the team from uh, Lithuania with Marcelonis and Savonis. Right. And Arturis. Yep, Karnasovas. Karnasovas. And uh, Croatia had the silver medal with Drazen Petrovic. It's it was a- starting then, but it was, still, it was still a case of the dream team just overwhelmed everybody, including those, those good teams. The one advantage, if we're being completely honest, outside of the 1992 team that the Europeans had was they played international rules. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the way the, the lane looks, right? Grab the ball and run. Right. Totally different. More passing oriented from the European teams. More one-on-one from the American team. But but getting back to the Ryder Cup and the Live Tour, lo- losing Cameron Smith is a big deal. Losing a guy who's 40, not a big deal. Let's see what happens next. What do we have coming up? on Mountain High Appliance, just in case you missed it. An unfortunate injury for Red Sox pitcher Chris Sale going to cost him the rest of his season. Also, a new uh, contract for Justin Tucker. We'll take a look at some of the greatest kickers in NFL history. That's on the other side right here on Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Mason. Ooh. Goodman and Fry. One. Dang. Almost got almost got there. You know what? I think that's the first time ne- I've ne- done it. Next week. I love Terry. You don't have to worry about saying Goodman and Fry. It'll be Goodman and Hurdle. Are you going to screw that up, too? I probably will. I know you will. So will I. 
on the other side on Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Fry on Mile High Sports. Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Fry, presented by Silter Har Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silter Har Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Terry. Welcome back. Afternoon Drive, Goodman Fry. Watch us, mileisports.com. You can reach us. The Rocky Mountain Forest Products Twitter feed, at tfry, at Eric Goodman. Looking for wholesale lumber to the public, go to rmfp.com. Time now for the final word. The final word. Presented by Greenfield's Pool and Sports Bar in Lakewood. Greenfield's has everything under one roof, including the best happy hour in town. Two for one wine, well, and drafts from 3 until 7 p.m. Just in case you missed it. Presented by Mountain High Appliance, Colorado's favorite appliance store for 25 years in Louisville, Colorado Springs, and now open in their new store in Littleton. Go to mountainhighappliance.com. Just in case you missed it, Red Sox pitcher Chris Sale out for the rest of Boston's season following a bike accident during which he injured his wrist. Um, have either of you ever been injured in somewhat of an embarrassing manner? Yes. You? My major injuries were one from base, one from football and one from baseball, so I don't consider that too embarrassing. Uh, mine was incredibly embarrassing because I decided at the time, my daughter is now 14, decided to have a foot race with her. Uh, I think when she was 12, I decided to give her a running start. And me, who hasn't sprinted in a long time, and I still don't sprint for any particular reason, decided to sprint and within the first 15 yards, I yanked both hamstrings, crumbled to the ground, ripped up both elbows, knees, and I was a bloody mess. I can't match that. I've never had a broken bone. My knee surgeries, the only embarrassing thing about them was it happened twice. I had two ACLs. Neither time was because of contact. Yeah, it was. I mean, I had to go inside, lay on the couch, and I was bleeding everywhere. I was bleeding, and my hamstrings were killing. Were pictures taken? No. I would not allow I had a pretty embarrassing one that actually involved sports, uh, but it was before the game had started. I was playing in a soccer tournament. I was going to be the goalie, so jogging around the field in the warm-up jog, I was not paying attention to where I was going while I was putting on the goalie gloves and ran headfirst into the (laughs) goalpost. I cracked my head open. I didn't even realize it at first, and I kept running, and then... As I lost vision because my eyes were filled with blood, I uh, had to go to the hospital. But the CAT scan was negative, so it was all okay. Just a couple stitches, and I was out of there in a jiff. Was that during uh, your stint in Norway? Pretty embarrassing. No, that was actually in Rhode Island. Oh, okay. Pretty yeah. close. Pretty, Yeah, kind of similar, you know, a fishing uh, coastal town. But no, that was in the U.S., so it was good that it was it was here well the other weird thing about sales injury he was already on the disabled list because he had a broken pinky you think the broken pinky pinky would keep him from riding his bike maybe but he probably just was riding pinky up (laughs) Uh, just in case you missed it 
Justin Tucker with a new extension, a four-year extension with the Baltimore Ravens for a reported $24 million. He continues to be the league's highest-paid kicker. He holds the NFL records for accuracy with a 91% career field goal percentage and the longest field goal in league history at 66 yards. So I would assume you would put him on your Mount Rushmore of NFL kickers. Who else? is on the Mount Rushmore of NFL kickers. Adam Vinatieri is number two. I think he's the closest there is to, to Tucker. Now, before you go any further, I'm going to have my own personal rule. You don't have to because I didn't watch them play, and neither did you. I'm not going to go beyond the past 50 years okay. and, and include a guy like Lou Groza, who you and I never watched. With a square toe. Right. Tom Dempsey. I mean, you may have watched Dempsey. Lou Groza, yeah, he was a great kicker, but, I mean, he, he kicked in the... 40s, 50s, and 60s. It was just a different time. But I'm not going to put any of those guys on my I don't think I am either. So I've got Morton Anderson, number three. Yep. And Jason Hansen, number four. And Gary Anderson, number five. And how, then many, you have, how many Wait, how many faces are on the Mount Rushmore? You're you're out of control. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, you, we, once you hit number five, hey, I'm number, like, wait a minute. Number four, did Jason Hansen. Do they add a face? Number four, Jason Hansen. Okay. I will agree on the first three. Justin Tucker is the greatest kicker of all time, but if I had one game to win, I'd pick Vinatieri because yeah. of what he did in the Super Bowl. That's hard to argue As with. clutch as you can get. But both of them are certainly on it. Uh, certainly no doubt that Morton Anderson belongs on that list for all the decades that he kicked in. He kicked in the 80s, the 90s, into 2000. Uh, I mean, four decades, uh, six-time All-Pro, seven-time Pro Bowler, but I'm not going to go with Jason Hansen. Can Brandon McManus get into that list of four? No. Because Ever? He, no, because he's not going to get onto the list because he's not even the second greatest kicker on his own team in that on that franchise system. Jason Elam? Jason Elam would be number four. Now, you can call it a homer pick, A, because he's a friend of mine, mm-hmm. okay? and that's fine. However, he was even a better kicker anyway than Jason Hansen. When you, Jason Hansen had a slightly better field goal rate mm-hmm. at 82%. And Jason was at 81%. The difference is, is that Elam won a pair of Super Bowls. Okay, that's number one. He was also a three-time All-Pro and a three-time Pro Bowl. Well, you also know there are people out there who will rebel against a kicker who kicked at mile-high altitude much of the time being included on Mount Rushmore. Well, that has nothing to do with accuracy. That has to do with maybe his 63-yard mm-hmm. field goal. Yeah. But that I don't think that has much to do with accuracy. That has to do with distance. I'm just saying there are some purists out there who would rebel. That's fine. But but at the end of the day, he was a three-time All-Pro. Oh, I, I'm Jason absolutely Jason Hansen Watson and a three-time Pro Bowler. And he was part of two Super Bowl winning teams. I think there were about eight guys who, who, who you could arguably, arguably say should be included. I mean, one guy who might eventually surplant, might eventually surplant a Jason Elam is a uh, Steven Gotkowski. Mm-hmm. Now, he is young in his career. He's a two-time first-team All-Pro, four-time Pro Bowler. He's only been playing since, two, well, he started in 2006. Uh, but his field goal rate, 86%. So he's been kicking for a long time, too. So you can make, I you could put Gutkowski on there, but as a homer, I'll take Jason because he's a friend of mine. And when he wrote a book, he put me in it. So I will, I will. Always vote for Jason Neal. What were you in? I'm kind of a big deal. Don't ever. That is saved for less. 
not for me. God rest <laughs> less his soul. Don't ever. Uh, Jason wrote a book, Monday Night Jihad. Yeah. And it was so, a novel. What's that? Was it a novel? It was a novel. And so he called me and he said, my publisher is going to send you the book. I said, great. He said, check out page like 46. I said, okay. So I get the book and actually like page 46 is marked off for me. And I read it. And I didn't think anything of it. So I called Jason. I said, what was I supposed to read? He said, notice there was a reporter question in there. I said, at a press conference? I said, yeah. He said, that was you. I said, okay, I'll take that compliment. What was, it? What was the character's name? They didn't have a name. That's why I didn't know it was me. But he said, that was based after you. I said, okay, I'll take that as a compliment. And it's funny because going back, the reason I built the relationship with Jason was twofold. Number one, back in the days with Shanahan, the way the practice fields were lined up, we were able to stand basically right on the sideline, if you remember. Mm -hmm. The fields right now at, um, at Dove Valley run north-south. They've been redirected. Completely. They used to run east-west. Yeah. Or excuse me, right now, right now, they run east-west. East Before they, under Shanahan, a lot of the times it was north-south. So in between the fields, the media could stand there the entire time. So Jason, being a special teams guy, who wasn't doing a lot of work unless it was special teams, would just stand there. And he and I would stand next to each other and just talk about his work in the ministry and what he liked to do. We just got to know each other. And then at that time I was at Fox 31, he traveled over to Iraq, uh, part of a group of NFL mm -hmm. players. And we tracked his entire trip as a part of a story, a part of a multi-part series. And he used to send back video to the station. And while he was still over there, we would still do stories on mm -hmm. him. And so, so we had him, you know, going to the airport, coming back. So I got to know him pretty well. Then he wrote the book. And that's why he made me reporter. Reporter. Exactly. I'm going to start calling you a reporter. Please do. That was Mountain High Appliance. Just in case you missed it, you can walk into any store, try out the appliances before you buy them. It's their sales staff that really separates them. Now, they do have the best appliances out there. But when you go in there, you want to work with the sales staff that's been there for decades. This isn't a part-time job. This is their career. You want to work with people to help you get what you want. That's what they will do for you at Mountain High Appliance. You can find them in Louisville, Littleton. You can also find their clearance center in Denver. Coming up after the break, the Broncos have a new owner, and the new owner might know the NFL commissioner well, but he's not very good at pronouncing his name. You'll hear what Rob Walton called Roger Goodell, and it wasn't Goodell. Next. Yeah. 